Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at No Clutch Nate. And I'm Andy Nelson. Hey, everybody. Uh, from Marvel Movie Minute and also the Next Real Film Podcast, you can find me out there at Soda Creek Film. Yeah. Welcome aboard, Andy. Thank nice you. to have you on the show to talk about some Justice League. How Thrilled you doing? to be crossing the lines over into the DC world with this one. Yeah. Be yeah. What a movie. <laughs> what a story to do it with. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a what a what a couple of guys to do it with, huh? Hey, there yeah. you go. There you go. It's it's funny, um, you know, because when you first asked me to be on this, I'm like, I really hope they're not talking about the the uh, Joss Whedon one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was very excited to hear that you weren't um, because this because uh, I really did not like that version. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we had a lot of fun talking about Joss Whedon. We just finished our season on the Avengers. So we finished phase one. And of course, you know, through the entire thing, we uh, jokingly referred to him as Tignataro the entire time. Uh, which is funny because here I am talking about a Zack Snyder film in which the whole Tignataro joke originated in yeah, uh, that's because good. of yeah. Army of the Dead. So full circle. <laughs> yeah. Full circle, as they say. Yeah. I think you guys just uh you put out like your last bit of the Avengers minutes in around the, the last part of August, right? So yep, just yep. recently you finished the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're taking uh we didn't really take much of a hiatus at all between uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, or the Avengers. We just kind of rolled right into that one. And so Pete and I are like, you know, I think we're going to take a long break. And so, you know, we've put it out there. If somebody wants to come in, we've done, you know, uh, different hosts for past seasons, much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe anyway. And so we're certainly open to other people coming in to tackle Iron Man 3 because Pete and I are like, yeah, I think we're going to take a prolonged break. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see when we jump back in. And I, I was thinking about that too. Like, so. The Avengers, um, it's not the end of Phase One, right? Like, isn't Iron Man three more of the? Is, uh, technically, or, no. Uh, Avengers finished Phase One, and then Iron Man is the end three, of Phase One. Okay. Yeah, kicked off the start of Phase Two with the whole, um, you know, everyone dealing with everything that had kind of built mm, to that mm -hmm. culminating moment. So you've got him dealing with that, uh, Thor kind of dealing with everything going on with, um, you know, uh, restoring the Bifrost and uh, you know everything going on with his brother. And uh, and then, of course, uh, Captain America. And so, yeah, it's um, phase two really kind of kicks all that off. And then once we kind of get through those three characters, it jumps and we start getting mm. dips into mm -hmm. other other characters like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, the phase two, uh, I think, has some of my my favorite films are usually in, in that phase two, especially Winter Soldier. Uh, that's that's my favorite marvel film uh what, what's your favorite marvel film you know i have such a great time with um infinity war and endgame it's hard to kind of pass those mm. two up i felt like they did such an incredible job like taking everything and building it to that final moment so especially endgame by the time we're seeing like valkyrie riding through on a winged horse and a giant ant-man stomping through the background and like it's just, it was so fantastical but you were so bought in by that point mm -hmm. i was like you know this is, they did a pretty good job with uh, building all that yeah. so yeah absolutely and um i mean when did you start marvel movie uh minute was that oh 
Uh, when did we start that? I <laughs> want to say we started with Iron Man. Uh, was it like 2017? I think 2017 okay. or 18, right around there. Okay. And um, yeah, and then you know it was fun. We did the first season, and then we had a couple other people. Uh, Kyle and Rob came in to do seasons two and three with uh, the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man two. And then Matthew Fox came in to do Thor with me. And then Pete and I jumped back in on the last two. So, um, yeah, we're just kind of like all over the place as far as hosts and everything. But it's uh, it's always been a fairly fun, a fun time over there on that show. Hey, Nate, maybe that's what we should do. Just maybe get other get... people in here. <laughs> Bench warmers to come and do, uh, yeah. you know, like Shazam. And, and, uh, that's right. not a bad idea, Mark. Definitely I mean, Black like... Adam. <laughs> Yeah, someone someone take care of Shazam two and and the Flash for me, and I'll come back later. Well, uh, yeah, have us on whenever you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be, but, like the and studio we'll fillers. Oh, that would be great. Oh, I would love to guest on my own podcast. That'd right, be, that'd be a dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, we started in 2017 as well, but we we started January 2017, and I remember Nate and I we finished Man of Steel, January and then like the very next week we had started dawn of justice and like just rolled into it and so like i think by the middle of dawn of justice we were like burnt out i think we, we, <laughs> that's when we took like our first hiatus um and then you know and then we tried to go through suicide squad we did that and then um zach snyder's justice league was our biggest uh hiatus where you know we we put out the first episode like the monday after this this version had come out because we wanted to like get get a jump on it, like yeah. have the energy to go through it, and then um, you know this the Zack Snyder and, and the DC Cinematic Universe, uh, the the online community is uh, whether you hate these movies or love these movies, no matter what, the the energy is so draining on the internet that I think Ugh, yes. I just got so burnt out. I was just like, I don't want to, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, and then now we're back because at the end of the day, I, I love this movie and I, I love this cinematic universe um, that we just wanted to talk about it again. So it's great to have you on board. Um, one last question before we get started on today's minute. Do you, what's your favorite DC movie of this cinematic universe? That's uh, that's a good question. I you know I've never been a um, I've never been crazy for Superman as a character because he's just so super and uh, Im- impervious and and so often he was portrayed that way and so um, so Man of Steel wasn't my favorite. I think it's an interesting film for sure and um, and and Dawn of Justice. I that was a funny one because you know I had young kids when that one came out and I'm like oh we'll take them to this movie I was like oh oh, crap I should not have taken my kids to this movie wrong choice for dad yeah uh so dark but um it's certainly one that I've grown to um to appreciate and love more especially since they expanded on the story I felt like there was so much more that just made it a much better film and uh, Wonder Woman, I think, probably was the peak for me when it came out. I just I like mm-hmm. I, what they did with that one was just so exciting and vibrant and um, energetic. And it just it felt like they were, um, you know, allowing it to be a little more fun. And so I, I loved what they did with that one. And then I saw Justice League uh, in the theaters. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> just crap the bed with this one. And yeah, um, yeah. 
but then when you know the whole internet debacle with the you know release the snyder cut and everything i was like oh, these the fans it, it just it turns into some toxic uh, grossness out there but at the mm-hmm. same time you know i i, I don't know I, I look back through the history of film and i'm like there were plenty of times where fans were fervent and they would write letters and send them to the studios because they wanted this or they wanted that. And so it's like nothing new really right. for fans to kind of be saying what they wanted. I guess and it's I just think, like more visually upfront now. Yes. Unfortunately. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the issue. Uh, I think really because COVID hit and, and the streaming services were kind of so um, everyone was growing and trying to figure out what to do with them. I think everything just ended up working out in just the right way for this to end up being given the time that Zack Snyder needed and the money and the budget to kind of actually fulfill a vision. And I remember watching this for the first time and I'm like, that is a full on vision of a film. I love it. Uh, and, um, and then, you know, I watched it and then immediately I had to watch the, um, what is it called? The Justice is Gray version, the, yeah. the where mm-hmm. full black and white version, which yeah. I, I love when filmmakers do that. I, I had a, it ended up working really well for this uh, film, and so at this point, I'm I'm probably leaning toward this being my favorite of the bunch. I just I feel like it captured such a big scope of a story, and I'm like I I, I wish that. I hope that Zack Snyder and other filmmakers are able to kind of continue going down this path and given the chance and, and the money and the time to really fulfill their visions. I worry with things like the second Shazam and black Adam mm-hmm. that it's not actually happening, but yeah, uh, but at least this exists. I'm, I'm thrilled that we have this four hour epic film yeah. that Zack Snyder put together. Well, it makes, you know, total sense. I mean, it's, you're, you're on the right track, I would say, um, you say that Endgame and or uh, Infinity War and Endgame, um, sure, yeah, being your favorite, those are big ensemble, massive, you know, stories, big tales. Um, they had the uh, ability to to so beautifully tell it between two movies, you know. Yeah, fortunately, um, but like it makes sense that this being you know one of the favorite out of these bunches, because um, it's still kind of fits that same mindset of this is all our characters together. Now we need to make this thing an epic. This is supposed to be a long drawn out story. I mean, you can't really do it any other way. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. And when we do see a director's vision, whether it's a DC movie or Marvel movie or just any movie, um, it, it, it elevates it to, to a rewatchability. That's, that's more than just like, you know, consuming a comic book quickly and then tossing it aside as if that story, you know, you got what you needed out of it and you're just ready for the next one. The, like when a director or director is like the Russo brothers, when they're able to uh, create like a visioned story, um, I think that's why Winter Soldier says so much as a favorite of mine is because it just it felt like the Russo brothers, you know, like um, my introduction to them was from Community when they were doing like the paintball episodes and stuff. And so when I found out they were doing a Marvel movie, I, I saw their stamp in Winter Soldier. I was like, oh, this feels like them directing. And it has always like made that movie rewatchable because the choreography, the way that the, the camera moves, the way like the scenes are shot, like it has this fluidity that the Russo brothers are so known for. Um, 
and this energy, this tempo to it, that it's like, oh, this is just, it's just a good time, you know, regardless, you know, maybe Captain America is not my favorite Marvel superhero, but this is like my favorite movie. It's just, just a, such a good time watching it. And I think about that with not only Zack Snyder's movies and the DC universe, but James Wan with Aquaman. Um, you know, James Wan sure. is so known for like the horror movies, but like Aquaman is so fun and wha- and just bonkers. It's just just a crazy <laughs> movie, and yet it has fun with it in a way that it's like I don't feel like you know angry nerds on the internet would say like oh you know DC's trying to be like Marvel. And it's like I don't get that with Aquaman. I just see a director who is having fun making an Aquaman movie. Yeah, you know, and I, I will always. You know, I, I love that. Anytime the director gets to do what they want uh, with a comic book movie, it's like it comes out, you know, envisioned. So, um, but I'm, I'm glad what you brought up about Superman earlier, you know, Man of Steel, not your favorite Superman movie. But uh, here we have a minute with Superman <laughs> uh, not being uh, the Boy Scout that he's supposed to be. Um, he's, uh, he's a little bit of Hollywood's bad boy here. So uh, here we are in uh, week, uh, let's see, week number 34 of part five, All the King's Horses, uh, minute 166. It's going to start with uh, Superman staring directly at Batman. He has uh, witnessed someone that he vaguely remembers somehow. Um, And then the minute is going to end with Superman and Wonder Woman uh, headbutting each other. Mm. So, uh, yeah, good old. I wish I knew more um, <laughs> soccer terms. F- football, sorry, my, my bad. <laughs> they headbutt in that game, right? That's where it comes from. No, they can hit they the head, ball with hit. their head. They don't headbutt in soccer. I mean, well, you probably can, but like you're going to get a card. <laughs> you can right? headbutt in any sport. <laughs> yeah, it, it might not be um, acceptable, but yeah, sure. <laughs> you, can, uh, you cannot headbutt in football, in American football. Because that, then that's called uh, targeting or helmet yeah. touching. <laughs> it's called targeting. That's what that's a rule in it, or something like that. When you, you when you, you it's like a game about collision, them? but you're not allowed to collide with someone because then you know they're out for the season. And anyways, uh, yeah. So minute one sixty six. Now this minute that we're talking about today, yeah, is very similar to the two thousand seventeen version. The only thing that's different is that there is an added scene or added few shots of uh, Cyborg, Flash, and Aquaman trying to stop Superman from getting to Batman. Uh, so that's the only part that's uh, different from you know one version to another is we have this extra shot here. Um, I really like the way you describe that. Yeah. <laughs> Stopping Superman from getting to Batman. Um, that's that's what it is and and yeah and <laughs> i i've got to say it's probably one of the few hot takes i've had about this movie um i mean i i've said it many times before even i think this movie could be a little bit shorter i think this moment here this added scene with cyborg and aquaman and flash it probably could have stayed Chopped I, off. Nathan, you are shaking your head. Yeah, I, I, I very much disagree with you. One, for the, the biggest reason is because that this is another scene with Cyborg that was like purposely cut because of all the stuff that was going through and, and Ray speaking his very correct mind um, and all of that unfortunate mishandling of that situation. 
that's the biggest thing. So it's like, yeah, what you better you better throw all the cyborg stuff back in. Like, what are you talking about? I want all of it. Yeah. Um, two, the way that you described it, like I said, was everybody trying to stop Superman from getting to Batman. Um, I enjoy that thought. I enjoy even taken out of this movie's context, just that idea of the Justice League, because it happens. It's not the first time we're seeing this. The Justice League just falling so easily to Kal-El in just any circumstance. Um, The fact that he's targeting, let's use that term, Batman now in this point, (laughs) makes it so much better um, within this context of this movie. Um, Obviously, and, you know, I'm I'm going to jump a little bit because we do get the mirror of uh, Doomsday and him seeing uh, the statue of Superman and, you know... uh, uh, uh de- desecration to a, to a memory what is the what is oh, the line uh, um, the desecration without name is that what you're talking about n- yeah uh to spite a memory something like that the 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 yeah. ancient kryptonian philosophy the, of the warning, what is literally yeah, like, happening right now within this like because hmm. like, you know whatever you want to call it kryptonian freudian mental capacity that's happening within superman um is on full display here and that is uh, amazing i don't really see this as just like angry superman this is there's this is so heavy <laughs> um and also this is uh is, isn't this the first maybe he i can't remember if he did it before but we get um four armed uh cyborg in this and that's a big deal as well um because that's concept that's from this that's that is that here is, that is yeah. from here that doesn't exist anywhere else that was here that was envisioned for here um it's really cool <laughs> uh yeah. yeah i do there are some subtleties to this moment that i don't particularly like um but at the same time i have to think about it and I can't. So, I stop myself well, from thinking that there's always a reason for things, and yeah. the thing that I, mean, I don't like is Batman no. just standing there. And it's like, well, there's a reason why he's doing that. So I'm sorry. Go on, please. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's. I mean, it's the Batman craps his pants moment. I yeah, because I mean, he knows exactly how hard that fight was. You know, it, it, the Dawn of Justice. I mean, it was not easy for him to go through that whole process, and now to have Superman resurrected and giving him that look of I'm about to kill you. Yeah. I mean, I can I, I can see why he may not be doing anything just yet or trying to figure out like how am I going to handle this situation? And probably knowing that physically he can't stop Superman. He has to come up with a way to talk to him or find a way to get through uh other than fighting. Because fighting is never going to win. Right. Um I what I, I really enjoy having all these other heroes being a part of this now that we didn't get last time because it does feel like what would they be doing otherwise? Yeah. You know? And honestly, I can't, I like going, I haven't watched the, the, the theatrical justice league since it was in theaters, but I'm like, what were they doing otherwise? Like they should be working at stopping this guy. And so it makes sense to me and, and seeing cyborg, like with those additional arms popping out and everything, it's like, I, I found it to be an interesting use of all of their, giving us a sense of their powers, how they're trying to use their powers to stop him, yeah. but also how powerful uh, Kal-El is. And and we have, like, even with Cyborg, I mean, Cyborg does slow him down a little bit. Like, he, you yeah. can see he's really physically having to push to, to, to stop Cyborg. 
and you know, I just I love the moment with with Flash because it just shows exactly. I I feel like we're revealing so many little nuances of all of Superman's powers through this moment, like just how fast he is that fast Flash can't stop him. Aquaman doesn't really get a chance because uh, Flash just screws all that up. <laughs> but um, and, and then even with Wonder Woman in this minute, like he moves so fast that he stops her from uh, from her. I don't know what do you call that move that she does? <laughs> the little power wrist bracelet yeah, strike, yeah, like that, like bracelet, <laughs> yeah. bracelet, bracelet bash. <laughs> her bracelet is that the name we decided we, I don't on? remember. That was we. It had to have been an episode a, title. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we they were good hosts, we would have these things pinpointed and, and yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, know it's but it is really interesting to see uh, and whether they're here or not, I, I guess I I don't know. I, I would favor the them being here because it just gives us a sense of what all these other characters are doing and it really just gives us a sense of the power that he has. And honestly, that his focus isn't any of these other people. It's really I, I, that one person at the end there is the, mm-hmm. my target. All of you other people, I just need to get you out of the way so I can get him. Yeah. Yeah. And that just that decision alone, like from a directing standpoint where they were like, well, we're, we'll create an object for Superman to to want to go from A to B to and we'll throw everything at him. And he's like, just, you know, un- unstoppable force is like moving towards Batman it's such a great idea just to have like all these characters, you know, doing the best that they can to stop him. Um, uh, e- even in the 2017 version, seeing it for the first time, and you know, anytime that I have rewatched that version, um, this this moment with Wonder Woman, the way she comes down from the sky out of nowhere and like crashes down in between, uh, you know, in front of Batman and in front of Kal El to separate both of them. I've always found this just like a very cool shot. Like I, 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 I've, I've always loved the way that Zack Snyder has directed Wonder Woman. And so this shot to me is always like one of my favorite bits here uh, in both films. And I've always loved that. I think having a focus on the Trinity and like having this struggle between the three of them. Uh, I, I've always loved that. So that's why I felt a little bit like, well, the, you know, I, I'd rather just get to that point and, you know, this other stuff doesn't need to be here, but you guys are absolutely right. Like it, it does show, um, uh, you know, the whole team going at him. And um, even today with uh, with all the other media, uh, you know, the boys, uh, uh, Invincible, you know, Omni-Man, Homelander, uh, it, it seems, uh, you know, this, this Superman is unstoppable. And it, it's crazy to think about it. You know, we have all these like, extreme versions of an evil superman and what they can do when they fight you know their some alternate version of the justice league um but here we have it in this movie it's actually in a justice league movie to have superman fighting the justice league in a way that they can't stop him he will just keep going if he wants to get somewhere um and 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 the reality that batman is kind of helpless if if there's a uh, an unchained superman you know, heading towards him. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy to think about you. Like we, we, we have this here definitively as the actual Superman and the actual justice league and not like, um, an extrapolated version of them in some other, right. Uh, franchise. So it's cool to see that here. Um, I, 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 I've thought about like Henry Cavill being shirtless here. Like, obviously we know why Kal-El looks the way he does here. Um, being resurrected at, straight out of the, the coffin, if you will. Um, 
but it's almost like I've, I've thought about it in the way that celebrities they want FaceTime they want no masks on you see that a lot in movies but it's almost like Henry Cavill has worked so hard on his body that they're like he is going to show off what he's been working you know towards <laughs> and so uh, I, I've thought about it with the way Cyborg charges into Kal-El and he's holding <laughs> and him at back bay. oh my yeah, god and, and I it, want that back his whole, his whole moment with Cyborg looks like they were just like, all right, Henry Cavill, just start doing, you know, you know, a few different workout forms, like just totally perfecting the form. And that's what they're filming. You know, when he in uh, <laughs> last week, when he picks up like the, the big uh, head of the Superman statue and throws it or he picks up Cyborg here and he shoves him to the to the left. It's like you're just doing like workout forms. But like showing off your physique and it's like, this is like the Henry Cavill paycheck, right? Where it's like he needs his his six pack and his his deltoids. They need the the screen time. That's what the that's what the agent called for. That's uh, uh, what I'm calling for. You know, <laughs> I just watched Immortals um, at the time of this recording, like two 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 days movie, ago. Yeah? It, it's not even that. It's you, you can't say that because <laughs> then you're yeah. comparing it. What you should say is uh, the transformation that this human went through and is still like, oh, wow, that is uh, really impressive. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's on another level of uh, it's not like bodybuilding because bodybuilding is, I think, um, like a good extreme that's like a, a you know you're 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 maxing out the limitations it's like this is uh has the potential to be a uh, a peak muscle physique you know what i mean uh versus practicality um and <laughs> i don't know if that's correct i don't, I don't have <laughs> muscles guys this is what they call this is what they call aesthetic fitness there you um, go that's perfect yeah, and, and um, so you can get a gym personal trainer if you, you know, there's, there's being healthy fit, there's bodybuilding fit, there's uh strongest man type of fitness where it's just like, you know, you don't look the best, but you, you could damn well lift a thousand pounds yeah. or something like that. And then there's aesthetic fitness, which is this, where this is what they get most celebrities to do is uh kind of a very risky diet. Oh yeah. They, no, I know. Yeah. I <laughs> I get it's it. hard during production too. I mean, they they're dehydrating themselves to get oh, those yeah. clean cuts and everything. I mean, it's uh, I can't even imagine like trying to act incredibly strong while going through all of that too. Yeah, and just, you know, it's impressive. As, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Um, I just I think, think about yeah. it the most with Ben Affleck, right? I mean, Ben Affleck, yeah. superb actor, director, but he looks so different in Dawn of Justice to like how he looks nowadays or even before he was Batman. And uh, the transformation that he went through, and it's like, you were struggling making that that Batman v Superman movie. I could tell because <laughs> he looks so different. And to go through all that, and then for that movie to come out and face all that criticism, and and you know a lot of people applaud his his Batman or his Bruce Wayne rather, and but like yeah, like you said, Andy, like to to go through all that, that's you're doing you're doing two things at once, and it's that's stressful. Yeah. And Ben Affleck's, you know, I, I don't know how how much older he is than Henry Cavill, but I mean, you know, certainly an older man uh, doing all those heavy workouts and everything to kind of give us that kind of that little gruffer older Batman character that yeah. we have here. 
and mm-hmm. that's harder. Like as you get older, it's a lot harder to kind of like do that same sort of stuff that uh, is probably a little bit easier for Henry Cavill or any of these people playing superheroes when they're you know in their twenties or early thirties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know now we Black Adam is is a thing. It it has come out. It is a thing as well. But Dwayne Johnson, uh, it. I don't and know. Even even Gal, after having children and everything like that, like she, she has like what three yeah. kids? Holy now? crap! <laughs> it's, inc- it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a challenging like the world of the the superhero genre. I think really pushes um, you know men and women um, actors to really kind of create this. Uh, I mean, aesthetically pleasing super body that really kind of ties into the character, which is very much kind of a part of the genre right. uh, in and of itself. But it, it is interesting. Like, I wonder when we're going to kind of cross that line as a culture and say, you know, we can go back to kind of like that, the uh, Clark Kent from the seventies Superman with uh, Christopher <laughs> Reeve. And, you know, it's, it's okay that they don't have to be right. Just so, strong man. Quite so built. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo got the better deal. Right? <laughs> he did, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, you can see Jimmy with all the muscles. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, it, yeah, it's 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 quite incredible. Um, you know, just this this feat that they're able to do for the for the camera. Um, and I mean, it's what else can be said? It's just it's it's you know it's a praise to Henry Cavill and, and whatever he does. It's like oh, you look you look fantastic. I mean, even he was a Sherlock Holmes in Enola Holmes. And uh, it, he was like the most jacked uh, Sherlock Holmes I've ever seen. It was, it was quite, quite incredible. Well, it worked well for him in, uh, in Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, too, yeah. You know? I mean, That's one of the best. Was, it, it, yeah, yeah, possibly the best of the, the whole franchise. It's such a great film. Uh, and, you know, I, ha- I haven't even seen the newest one yet because uh, there's just been so many good movies this summer. It's kind of bizarre that we're like in the realm of so many great movies uh, nowadays that uh, I remember saying like, oh, I really want to see this Mission Impossible movie. And I feel like I've seen every other movie in theaters besides that movie. <laughs> so I don't know how good it is uh, yet, but I do worth, remember... Worth seeing on the big screen for sure. Yeah. Um, that was a movie too. You brought up Justice is Grey. You know, it's cool when directors have like a, a little version of the film that they do. And uh, 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 Christopher McQuarrie, did uh he did like an all just the music version of fallout i don't know if you guys have seen that um, oh, i haven't yeah so mission impossible fallout there's there's a version on the dvd that is just the music and everything else is muted and you can just watch the movie with just with just the score playing and boy is that a great time it's a, that's it's, cool yeah it's, it's a very awesome little feature highly recommend it and which would be great because that's probably also my favorite score of all the Mission Impossible films. Yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. So that's I wonder fantastic. if they'll do it for uh, for Dead Reckoning Part yeah. One. Interesting. So. Very interesting. Um, but yeah, so so um, going back to to this minute, um, uh, you know, we see the Flash here. We we had, of course, last week we had our big moment with flash and, and using the speed force to try to get away from henry cavill kal-el superman clark kent and uh you know it, we saw just how superman could keep up as far as speed we see that moment here and unfortunately he just 
sidesteps him completely. Um, yeah, Andy, what's your what's your take here on, on the Flash and uh, I guess Aquaman since he got here just at the end, <laughs> just, right? Just in the nick of time. I I have so much fun with this Flash. Uh, you know, I, I really um, I, all the stories with Ezra Miller and everything. I just always um, go back to what um, um, I'm going to blank on his name. Who was um, Zod? Michael, oh, Shannon. Michael Shannon. Yeah, I, I always go back to what Michael Shannon said uh, around the time that the Flash movie was coming out and saying, you know, uh, you know, a lot of act. I know a lot of actors and they were just all I'm I'm very badly paraphrasing it. But like I, there's a lot of actors out there and actors, you know, they are tend to be kind of very emotional people and it's and so i feel for when an actor is having these sorts of struggles because um it's it is hard when especially when they're they have these expectations and and society is looking at them a certain way and everything and so i i think there's all all sorts of sides to ezra miller's uh, story and everything all that aside i think that um what he brought to the character um or what they brought to the character is so much fun and like so goofy and lighthearted and the flash has never been a character that i've followed like i've never watched the shows um i might have watched an episode of the like the 90s version yeah that one was on (laughs) um i you know other than like watching the justice league cartoon when i was a kid like i um the flash was just not somebody that i ever followed and so I just I found that this version was um, was kind of like the, that kind of fun energy that um, I don't know when when people talk about like the Zack Snyder films being so dark and and morbid and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, well, look at Flash. I mean, it's it's like such a crazy fun character. And I think that he clearly um, could see that and gave a lot of opportunity there. And so when you have this funny little moment here with Flash still trying to prove that you know i can help i i'm using these powers and stuff but again showing exactly how powerful uh cal l is it's just i don't know i found it to be a really fun way to kind of put all that together and as far as jason momoa i he has all the right energy for aquaman i it was like the best casting decision to go that route uh you know i know it probably pissed some people off uh, based on kind of what aquaman had looked like in the comics and stuff but I, again, to your point about James Wan, that whole um, it was kind of like that swashbuckling pirate angle. I think that um, I think I heard you talk about in a past episode that he was going for, which I'm just like, that's exactly what we needed out of that character. And Jason Momoa just exudes that so much yeah. that um, and, and, you know, in this minute, it's like we get nothing of him. But still, it's um, it is so he's just a great choice and uh, i think he's really bringing it and every chance that he gets yeah and it seems like now we're starting to get the jason momoa personality uh out into the the characters that he plays because you know his his introduction into pop culture was cal drogo and he played you know kind of a, this stoic kind of beast of a man and uh, and then so that that kind of translated into Aquaman when they first wanted to bring Jason Momoa as Aquaman they'd be like oh he's he's strong he's stoic um, he's cold and and but ne- we know Jason Momoa is just like this 
bubbly, gentle giant kind of guy. He's always having a lot of fun. He's a real rock star. And so now in, in, in the, the Fast franchise and even in Aquaman is that they've they've started to be like, hey, no, he he has a very positive, wildly energetic personality. Uh, and, and it's fun and people love him for it. It's very charismatic. So bring that, bring it out. Like, you know, and so you're starting to see that now, especially the Aquaman 2 trailer has come out at this point. Uh, finally, we see what this second Aquaman movie is going to look like. Uh, and it looks more of the same, which is, is a good thing. I think we we're all scared at some point that, you know, it's been, uh, I think this, I think the Aquaman movie is supposed to come out in December. As we're recording right this Christmas. in October. Yeah. We're recording this in September. So like in three months, this movie is supposed to come out. And we hadn't seen a trailer until like just a few days ago. And it's it's like, oh. Now that I've seen the trailer, I'm like, I feel better now because it's it's kind of scary when a movie doesn't have a trailer come out, uh, I guess, by Comic-Con season. So Aquaman, Jason Momoa, he has like his his kind of like his own personal energy is is mixed into the character. It's it's kind of what we've seen with Gal Gadot. I mean, there, there was like Zack Snyder's version of Wonder Woman with Gal Gadot. But now, you know, with Wonder Woman 1984 and even her own movie, you get a little bit more of like, oh, people love Gal Gadot's energy, and you see that start to be sprinkled into into the Wonder Woman character. Um, so it's it's good to see that as well. Um, Ezra Miller with with the Flash, I feel like uh, actors like Ezra Miller and and Shia LaBeouf to you know to pull another character uh, actor as an example. I feel like they they break through in Hollywood because they have kind of like a charismatic personality that is somewhat akin to being like the class clown or the goofball that I feel like Hollywood exploits, but never nurtures them in a way that's like, Hey, all jokes aside, are you doing okay? Like checking in on you? Just like, where's, where's the joke? Funny man. Like, that's what we pay you for. And so you see <laughs> actors like Ezra Miller and, and Shia LaBeouf, like, get chewed out, like, through Hollywood. And then we go, oh, where did they go wrong? It's like, I don't think that anyone actually asked that question in time, like, before things got bad for them mentally. And um, and I'm sure they'll, they'll land on their feet, hopefully. But I, I think it's very similar to child actor syndrome, where it's like, we 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 use and abuse them and then spit them out and then wonder what went wrong and I, and I feel like that's what happened with Ezra but uh, watching the behind the scenes footage of the making of the flash just seemed like they were having just a great time on set like who knows how long ago it was that they were filming that um but you know it just seemed they seemed so different then than the news that comes out and and, and what, what what you are saying is like <laughs> like the conversation people have normally when people are dealing with mental health issues and stuff and it's like yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's a very real thing and it's a very real topic and you're right like maybe no one was doing the the check-in hey how you doing you know work is is crazy take a break what do you need 
speak, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I, I agree with everything uh, all y'all are saying. I also want to uh, say that Ezra Miller, I think, did a phenomenal job um, at acting and, and bringing their version of this Flash Barry Allen character uh, on the screen in all of these movies. Um, very much so. It is something that I uh, have had a lot of time to think about and and mull over and really appreciate. Um, Ezra Miller being someone who I would consider a, a peer in the sense that we are similar age. Um, you know, I can I can see the troubles and tribulations that would exist in that type of career uh, and mm -hmm. that type of physicality and uh, mental capacity needed for what you're doing um and you know setting aside all of your personal and family stuff that you know anybody or nobody has any idea what's going on um it's just like such a strong appreciation for uh this actor that they really worked at this role and at this character um you can see that with you know like with gal I also see that, but at the same time, I do see areas, especially in the movies and what was actually, you know, printed and released and all that stuff and what people actually get paid to do. Um, I can see where the directing takes over and the actor takes the step back and says, okay, yeah, this is what was written. This is what we're doing. Let's just, you know, clock in, clock out. Um, unfortunately, it sucks when you can actually see those things, but does not seem like that was a thing when Ezra was on set from what I saw, like the bus behind the scenes, all the other stuff. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why all this backlash and they were in the media and a big talking point um, for, you know, there, there had to have been, there had to have been some sort of more talking that wasn't in tabloids and media that was just amongst, you know, Hollywood and the people that sprung the media to, to start going down that path, you know? So, like, it seems like it was just such a bigger issue that um, was handled horribly. And uh, let's let's be okay with what <laughs> the work that the actor did and and be proud of them and appreciate them. And, hey, you know what? Maybe give Ezra a call and, and, and check in on him. You know, yeah, and and I'll just say one more thing before we wrap up that point um, is that I, you know, they're not the only one, right? I think every actor here in Justice League has dealt with that, like you said, Nate. Like there's an there's an internal Hollywood turmoil that has come about, resulted from this fallout with Zack Snyder and the DC universe that it's affected. I mean, we've seen Ben Affleck go through it, you know, back to alcoholism divorce um you know several things um it, it seems like the only two that have come out on top is gal gadot and jason momoa but henry cavill has been put through the ringer of whether or not he's going to play superman again and you know going to the witcher and then dropping out of that and then fall, uh, mission impossible fallout and then to um sherlock holmes like but always wanting to play Superman again and then being told like, oh, you are going to play it. Never mind. Joke's on you. You should. <laughs> it was a verbal agreement. We never signed anything, you know, like. And so all these and Ray Fisher, of course, the other one, it just Ugh. all these actors yeah. have gone through what Ezra has gone through in some way that 
it's an it's an it's a turmoil with with Hollywood, and then and then the media like the kind of festers and and, and explodes things out of proportions. Uh, not to you know cry out and be like oh media this and media that, but um, you know it, it's just to to put your troubles through the echo chamber. Yeah. Uh, Nobody it, wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it, and, and it's hard with a film like this one in particular that, you know, had such an awful tragedy happen to Zack Snyder that ended up with uh, Whedon stepping in that really exacerbated so many of the issues in just gross ways. And it's interesting. There's like, we're talking about Ezra Miller and like all of these issues, there's such a, um, a difference in the, the problems that people like Ezra Miller are, are dealing with. And I mean, there's, there's some not great stuff that he's, that they've done, but I think a lot of that boils down to, again, kind of that mental health issues. And then on the other side of that line is Joss Whedon and, it's like that's a person who just doesn't know how to shut up and to start figuring out how to behave properly. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's, there are lessons to be learned by looking at the difference between how people are looking at and treating Ezra Miller, as opposed to how people are looking at and treating Joss Whedon right now. And I think that speaks a lot to a lot of people trying to open their eyes and acknowledging this whole side of the mental health and how people need to be looking at this. Absolutely. Very well said. Um, I, I definitely think uh, let, let the punishment fit the crime. You know, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, defend Ezra in any capacity. But I think sometimes we need to look fundamentally. And, and I think we've always known for, for Hollywood has always been, you know, not the not the not the best place at heart sometimes for especially for young people <laughs> yeah Judy garland drew barrymore like there's a yeah, lot of yeah absolutely yeah. um I, I worried about that even with the the stranger things cast back when yeah. you know season one yeah. and season two exploded and i was like oh this is i mean they're they're blowing up the people are they're franchising the hell out of these kids and i i just remember looking at millie bobby brown going man i hope they're really you know, letting this girl be a girl instead of, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes they, they start treating them like women before they even have a chance to, to act like kids and, and stuff yeah. like that. And it's, it's always scary. Um, you know, especially things that happen with like, you know, Corey Feldman and like the cast of the Goonies and stuff like that. We've, we've, we've seen it happen so many times. So, uh, I think yeah. fundamentally we have to start taking care of our, actors not treating them like elitists that live in luxury all the time so but that's yeah. that we'll, we'll stop it for there for now and we'll get <laughs> too much more into it we have plenty of more minutes to talk about so um i i don't know if any of you guys have anything else for this minute but we have plenty more to cover so all right we're gonna wrap up for today if you've enjoyed today's show please consider leaving a five-star review it really does help the show and helps new listeners discover our show as well if you'd like to join the conversation, you can chat with us on Twitter at DCEU Minute. And if you'd like to hear more bonus content, we also have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one here on DC Cinematic Minute.